Next on BYU Sports Nation, the rivalry renews, but not without that highly debated two-year break. Why the BYU-Utah series won't ever be the same. The radio voice of the Utah Utes, Bill Riley, steps into our blue zone of questioning and tells us how exactly the Utes view Saturday's showdown and why Utah football needs this win just as much as BYU. Plus, BYU TV analyst Blaine Fowler plays quarterback comparison with the Cougars and Utes. His matchup breakdown of BYU's Taysom Hill and Utah's Travis Wilson. This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. Can anybody get open for it? He'll roll right, left it go, finds his guy, touchdown! Johnny Harleen comes all the way across the field. Back, finds him, and it's a touchdown in BYU. Swarms the field, they win it. But that Harleen play just ripped the heart out of the chest of every Ute fan, and it was beautiful. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation. It is September 17th. James Bates on the mountain, the call. 2006, back to Harleen, followed by Trevor Maddich of ESPN yesterday talking about the impact uh, to him of that play, ripping the heart out of Utah fans, and it was beautiful as we chuckled over the top of that. I believe the first word that came to mind was when I was thinking of that description was exquisite, uh, detail oriented, but uh, a great, great interview with Trevor Maddich yesterday. Yeah, excited for a Tuesday edition of uh, BYU Sports Nation. We've got a, a great guest lineup today. BYU TV football analyst Blaine Fowler weighs in. Uh, the voice of the Utes on Call 700 in Salt Lake City, Bill Riley, will join us as well. Excited for the insights those guys have to offer on the rivalry. Yeah, I can't wait for Bill Riley. Really, he's a respected dude in the Salt Lake City media. He used to cover BYU. Yeah, on KSL Radio was a sideline reporter at one point, so he understands both sides. Really cerebral, intelligent broadcaster, uh, respected highly by uh, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell. They have that mutual respect for each other, and for good reason. Uh, Riley also does a lot of stuff with Rail Salt Lake. Um, so not only is he going to join us, but Blaine Fowler. If you don't know Blaine Fowler, you're not familiar with him, his football knowledge, let's face it, is ridiculous. He's legit. He does color commentary on football and basketball games for NBC Sports Network versus... He's our in-house analyst, so we love having Blaine here. We're excited to chat with Blaine a little later. In your words, he's a pro's pro. He's a pro's pro, whatever yeah. that means. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I hope Blaine's listening. And if you don't believe me on his knowledge, just listen on. In just a few minutes, you'll you'll get an idea of how much he knows and just how he brings it. For those of you who buy into signs and superstitions, and I personally put very here little, we go. very little stock into this. However, if you do like the superstitious stuff, what I'm about to say will encourage you. If you're a BYU fan, one, my producer Ben Bagley called me on Monday morning and said there is a rainbow over Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's a good omen. Rainbow to start the week? Okay. Second, I saw a message from a BYU fan on Twitter that dealt with a fortune cookie. No kidding, the fortune said something to the effect of, your favorite team will find success. Now, wait a minute. You could just go to Panda (laughs) Express and just get like 20 of them and be like, did you see this one that goes perfectly to what I want? But it wasn't that. It was the one he just so happened to receive. Okay. That's good to know. There's no guarantee. Yeah. When you go open a fortune cookie. Wait, what? Okay, there's no there's no guarantee. <laughs> Third, since 2000, BYU has only won four of the 12 BYU-Utah meetings. Just four and eight. But three of those four wins have come in years ending in odd numbers. It's over, baby. <laughs> it's over. What year is it, Jerem? 2013. It's destiny. It is destiny. Prime number. Okay, now that I've gone against 
most everything that I stand for in sports broadcasting and making objective observations. Let's move on. Shall we? Any final thoughts, Jerem? Uh, I don't know that any of those play into anything relevant to the game. <laughs> but boy, it's fun. <laughs> Isn't it? Man, we're having fun. <laughs> Quick shout out to all of you tuning in wherever and however you may be listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. You can tune in to BYU Sports Nation on BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Sirius XM Channel 143, and Dish Network 980. You can also catch the show on demand every afternoon on the BYU Radio YouTube channel. And if you didn't hear Johnny Harlan and Trevor Maddich yesterday, go be- do yourself a favor. Great interviews. And they are on demand right now on BYU Radio's YouTube channel. That is how you listen, my friends. And this is how you join our conversation. Send your tweets to at BYU Sports Nation and vote in our daily poll question at BYUTVSports.com. The question is, as a BYU fan, are you okay not playing Utah for the next two years? And the results, 57% say no, 43% say yes. The question in our mind was not whether it'd be yes or no, it's how much of no. Because it feels like the majority of fans are not happy that BYU and Utah aren't going to play the next two years. I would bet that if you ask Utah fans, they would, they would say the same thing. Although, maybe a little easier for Utah fans to cope because they have the context of the Pac-12 to play for. For BYU, you're playing a bunch of bowl games, essentially. And the biggest of those bowl games every year now is Utah, right? Uh you play Utah every year, so it's not a new kind of fresh thing like a bowl game, I guess. But it's nice to go play Wisconsin and Notre Dame, and Boise State's going to become that rival for the next two years to replace Utah. Uh, but in my opinion, I, I'm not as a BYU fan, I'm not okay with not playing Utah. I want to play Utah every single year in November. It creates for an intriguing debate regardless. I know it loses something because you're not in the same conference and there isn't the potential to play for a conference championship but still, it creates madness throughout the state. And that's a good thing. It makes college football more relevant, more interesting, uh, more debatable within the state of Utah. It just does nationwide, really. I mean, Trevor Maddich yesterday said, I've got top-tier college football analysts stopping me in the halls at ESPN's campus and saying, do BYU and Utah really hate each other that much? Tell us more. About it. Is, that, is that real? And when they don't play, those questions don't come up and just don't matter. Yeah. And they won't. The only times since 1922 that BYU and Utah haven't played were because of a world war. 1943, <laughs> 44, and 45. So the Pac-12, I hope you're happy. Yeah. Look what you've done to us. <laughs> Look what you've done to the rivalry. Anyway. Okay. Time for What's Trending. Rise and shout, my friends. <laughs> Topic... One, rivalry first, then everything else. Yeah, I think you schedule around the game. I mean, that goes in first and every other game happens after. While Bronco Mendenhall admitted his players and the fans will probably miss the rivalry game more than he will, he understands how crucial, and this goes back to what we were just talking about, this is to the pulse of college football within the entire state of Utah. If there's a man that understands why this game is important, it's Bronco Mendenhall. And I know Utah's athletic director, Chris Hill, feels the same way, uh, Tom Homo. But given the fallout of the Pac-12, you know, all of that business going on in, in, on the Hill in Salt Lake City, the dominoes kind of fell in such a way that Chris Hill felt like they could not do it for a couple of years and that the Pac-12 would not accommodate that. The, the strength of schedule would not accommodate another BYU uh, game, at least for a couple of years. But 
we learned some things yesterday with the scheduling of 17 and 18 games and the 18 game being in November, which is where a lot of people want it and where I it want it. It should be. It's tra- that's tradition. That's as much a part of the game itself as it is the opponent. It's that when it's played. And there was context before with conference championships on the line and whatnot before. But it needed to be in November. And so it's nice that that got into November because something happened. BYU got Cal in November next year. They got uh, USC in November, you know, way, way out in the distance. Uh, let's see. 2019? 19 is in September with USC. Uh, but, you, but 2023, you have a November game with, with USC. And so... Other Pac-12 teams were getting in November. So it's nice that it got to November. But that's not till 2018, for goodness sake. If you missed the announcement uh, yesterday, uh, BYU and Utah will play uh, 2017 and 18 officially. Chris Hill had this YouTube video, an unofficial official announcement of some kind. And so here's the announcement. 2017, BYU and Utah will play in Provo September 9th. 2018 at Utah, November 24th, which is two days after Thanksgiving that year. And they've already scheduled uh, 2016. It's September 10th. Yeah, I was going to say, you should know that there is a game in 2016. So a two-year hiatus after this. Utah's mission trip. Okay, furthering the point of rivalry first and everything else, Bronco Mendenhall added this very strong opinion yesterday. I'm opposed to the game stopping for any reason. I think it's one of the reasons that college football is such a cool thing. It's not professional sport. It's college. And that regional matchups go away or conference realignments happen. Um, for money and exposure, which is all college football. It's not just either us or Utah. That's just what's happening. But if we're not careful, we'll lose kind of the the amateur view of student-athlete. Rivalry games should not go away for any reason. When he said that, I wanted to stand up and clap my hands. I, I couldn't agree more. You have to have this game. You just do. And I'm not saying one team needs the other more than... The other, but because Utah, you know, can make the argument, well, we, we play a ton of really good teams, and BYU is a pretty good team, so why are we going to make our schedule any harder? Why not? Why not? Yeah, and you, Steve Young talked about it on Friday on BYU Sports Nation. He talked about how they were brothers in the Mountain West Conference. As much as there is a rivalry there, they did things together. And when the Mountain... Uh, governed a lot of things within the conference, and TV rights are huge, uh, almost as big as the game themselves, the games themselves, BYU and Utah dominated the markets. All the other teams were irrelevant compared to when BYU and Utah were on TV. They were getting the biggest ratings. And it didn't. It wasn't benefiting BYU in the way, and Utah, in the ways that they wanted. And so when the opportunity came for Utah to go to the Pac-12, it was a huge opportunity. They should go. They I, I should have them. gone. I don't blame them at all. But when they did, there was a division there and, and a line drawn in the sand, and BYU had to do something about it, and so they went independent. And then the next step has happened, which is Utah has, has seen that the pack, what they do in the Pac-12 is more important than the relationship with BYU. And there's arguments to both sides. If I was a Utah fan, I could understand not playing BYU because you have all these other pac Twelve teams on your schedule, and you want to maximize your opportunity to possibly go to a BCS game. Those non-conference games are valuable. You need wins. I understand that. Utah's been there. They know how it works. They've been to two BCS games. But on the BYU side, they come. BYU fans come off. BYU comes off a little 
a little desperate or whiny a little bit because we're the ones sitting here not having moved in the relationship. But I wish that BYU and Utah still played. I wish that Utah valued the relationship with BYU like BYU val- valued the relationship with Utah. And we're going to have this two-year break, but luckily we'll pick it back up and hopefully never have a break again. Yeah, I I think that the Utes initially may have said, look, we've we've got bigger issues to tackle. And that's offensive to BYU. Bigger than us? What's bigger than what we've had f- forever? Right, but, but now, like I said, I think Utah Athletics and Chris Hill, the athletic director, are, are recognizing that their fans want this game too. I think they want this game. I think their mindset changed. Yeah, and that's fair. Uh, that's understandable. Yeah. The original debate was, well, we have Michigan on the schedule now instead of BYU. And I thought, okay, well, you want to have you want to go play Michigan? I get it. You, you want to deal with that tradition, right. Big Ten team? Okay, I understand. But then they scheduled the Fresno State home and home, and it's like that was a slap in the face. It's like really, really Fresno State over BYU. They would they would never say it, and who knows if it really is directly you know that replaced the BYU game or not. But the fact that they did that that was that was a slap in the face. Yeah, we can talk about this until we're blue or red in the face. See what I did there? Uh, yeah, yeah, not red, rivalry. Let's not week. Get red in the face. Okay, no but, red carpet. Yeah, it's we, blue carpet here. We we move on uh, on this topic, <laughs> and uh, I mean, Bronco Mendenhall said so many things about the rivalry game, but ultimately, it's what makes it. Such a great sport. Part of the cool thing about playing college football is being part of Rivalry Weekend. And we don't have the Rivalry Weekend anymore, but we still have the game. And I think a lot of the memories the players have of, of college have to go, have to deal with big games. And this one is a big game. And so it's a lot of fun. So I feel bad that they'll miss out on it. I think we saw this a little bit with Texas and Texas A&M when they had that division. There was a huge uproar in the Lone Star State. But can you imagine... What would happen if Ohio State and Michigan decided not to play for two years? Or Auburn and Alabama? It wouldn't happen. Granted, they're in the same conference, and so it's just built in. If BYU was in the Big 12 and was playing Utah in the Pac-12, I could see where it might get a little trickier, and BYU would maybe take a different stand. I don't know, because of the toughness of the conference schedule. Who knows? But BYU as an independent... Wants this game. You have 12 games on the schedule. You can't find one week for BYU and Utah. It seems silly when you look at it that way. The BYU-Utah rivalry is, in the words of BYU linebacker Kaya Van Noy, the Super Bowl of the state of Utah. Bottom line. Absolutely. Topic number two, the blessing and the curse of the bye week. If I were to say from what I saw today, it's been the other way. And it looks like they were, our players and were sluggish and kind of bored. And it's like, when are we going to play the game already? And we're not prepared to play it yet. But if I had to do it again just after experiencing it, I, I would have rather had the game come right after Texas. I don't think I said that last week, but just after kind of going through it, man, it seems like a month since we played. And it feels like a month. BYU players sluggish. That being uh, Bronco Mendenhall yesterday addressing the media after practice. Hard to carry that momentum after a whole week of just resting up, your game planning for Utah, but now it's the week. I would imagine that today's practice will pick up quite a bit and that it'd be really crisp. Uh, but yesterday's a little sluggish. Not, you know, I don't think that fans should be worried about that at all. Uh, trust me. And you said it earlier today when we were talking. Once BYU sees the red. The lights come on. It's, it's on. Let's go. It is game on. As soon as Utah runs on the field and the BYU players catch a glimpse of that crimson, it is on. You know what's not been sluggish? BYU's mindset. 
coming into this game. Trust me. These Kyle Van Noy and Cody Hoffman have witnessed three losses in a row as players. Uh, and the year Cody Hoffman redshirted and Kyle Van Noy uh, didn't come to BYU that first year out of high school, that was 2009. And they watched an overtime victory and saw what that meant. You know, Cody Hoffman was a redshirt that year and Van Noy wasn't in school yet. But it's been, it's been three years of losses. These guys, just because they were sluggish on Monday, is no worry. They'll, they'll be ready. But that, that is a curse of the bye week a little bit. You want guys to get healthy, but like Bronco Mendenhall said, he wishes the game would have been Saturday. You want the intensity and the momentum to carry over immediately. And, and I, under, I understand that. Yeah. But you mentioned Cody Hoffman. He says he is almost back to 100%, and that's because he didn't have to play on Saturday. His hamstring is getting a lot better. And the more explosive he can be against Utah, given the fact that BYU, I'm, t- I'm saying right now, they will have to pass for over 200 yards to win. I, I don't see any scenario where BYU passes for less than 200 yards and wins this game. Unless all of a sudden Utah's defense turns into Texas. And we'll talk to Blaine Fowler about that uh, and Bill Riley uh, coming up, Voice of the Utes. The challenges that the BYU offense presents for the Utah defense and vice versa. Yeah. And speaking of the passing game, Trevor Maddich got right down to the point when we asked him how BYU wins this game. Well, I'll tell you, the thing that needs to happen for that uh, offense to be exciting is they need to complete a forward pass. Now think about this. They, <laughs> they had 550 yards rushing against Texas. It was the most ever in the history of the program, and we all know those numbers. Because of that, play-action pass should have completed at least 75% of the time, probably more like 85%. Wow. It's about as straightforward as it gets. If you are that good in the run game, Trevor Maddich expert college football and analyst for ESPN says the play action should be completed between 75 and 85% of the time. And it's, and it's going to be there. Yeah, because it's open. That, that Brett Thompson slant at 8 to 12 yards over the middle, that's going to be there all day. And Utah's safeties are going to stack the box or make BYU throw to someone besides Cody Hoffman. BYU's got to be able to run the ball effectively still. It's not going to be a case where BYU isn't rushing the ball and they're just going to have to chuck it. BYU's going to have to rush effectively. They're going to have to pass effectively. They're, they're going to have to play a good game. They're going to have to play a really good game to win this because Taysom Hill is going to need to do something that he hasn't done thus far this year, and that's pass the ball effectively. BYU needs a lead, too. They can't get in a position where Taysom has to win the game with his arm late in the game. Yeah, number You've got to f- get a lead. Well, on that note, number four, telling us now what has been done to put more focus on that passing game during this week, uh, this bye week, rather. We started me with our receivers, making sure that we're all on the same page. Uh, we really emphasized on, on Skelly, our 7-on-7. Seven seven. We had more reps there. And we also, in our individual, uh, I was thrown with our receivers more than normal. So there's been an emphasis um, on the, the pitch and catch there. And, um, you know, hopefully it pays off. You think there's been emphasis on this after the Texas game, Jerem? Not sure. <laughs> 33% completion percentage. That, that will be better from Taysom. But it's got to be better. You don't, you don't have a couple games to develop that right now. You don't have Middle Tennessee this week and Utah next week. You have Utah this week. It's got to happen this week, and Utah is going to make sure that right arm of Taysom Hill, it's got to beat them. They're going to put it in Taysom's hands. BYU and Utah, Saturday night, ESPN 2, 8-15 kickoff. You can watch Countdown to Kickoff on BYU TV Sports beginning at 
7 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, plenty of stuff with Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, Alema Harrington, Brian Logan, David Nixon. I may even wander the sidelines. I know Jaron will be paying very close attention as he uh, drives that production to get us ready for the countdown to kick off. Coming up on BYU Sports Nation, Blaine Fowler dropping serious football knowledge on the rivalry series between Cougars and Utes. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation on the home of the BYU Cougars, BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here. You can follow us on Twitter at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Follow our growing fan base on its Twitter account at BYU Sports Nation. We are talking all things BYU Utah. Interesting thing that I researched yesterday, Jerem. Bronco Mendenhall is 9-1 and one coming off a bye week. Granted, three of those wins came against UNLV and two of those wins came against Idaho. So, not great wins in five of those victories, but it's saying something when you win after a bye week. Uh, the one loss came in his opening season in 2005, 51-50 in overtime at home against a pretty good TCU team. But Broncos, since that time, since 2005, has gone 9-0 and after a bye week. Wow. And that TCU game was the longest game in NCAA history, by the way, unofficially. They don't keep that stat, but it was four hours and 17 minutes, I believe. And BYU misses a PAT in overtime, and then TCU gets a touchdown, uh, debatable touchdown. Yeah, I was going to say debatable. That was the first game I had ever been on the sidelines for. Really? Yeah. Was that 05 game against TCU? That was a good game. One that had BYU won certainly would have helped in uh, in the conference race there. But BYU, that was first, the first year under Bronco Menhall, went 6-6 six and six that year. Uh, let's update the uh, poll results. As a BYU fan, are you okay not playing Utah for the next two years? It's on BYUTVSports.com. No, leading at 57%, and yes, uh, at 43%. I'd like to talk to the fans, the 43% of fans that say they're, they're okay with not playing. Yeah. Uh, are, you really, are you really okay with not playing Utah? I think we should ask them after next year. Yeah, when when you're not playing. When there's no game. Yeah. When there's no buildup. Exactly. Anyway, we appreciate the opinions. Continue to vote online, BYUTVSports.com. Joining us now, a very busy guy in sports radio. He is the play-by-play voice of the University of Utah and Major League Soccer's Real Salt Lake. And in his free time, do you have free time? Uh, thinking about that. Hosts a daily sports talk show, The Bill and Han Show, on ESPN Radio 700 in Salt Lake City. Bill Riley uh, joins us now on BYU Sports Nation, and we appreciate the time, Bill. Hey, thanks, guys, for having me on. Uh, free time, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I was say, I'm reading all the things that you do, and uh, there's certainly not a lot of that. But when you get paid to uh, talk about sports, it's not a bad gig, right? No, it's. I mean, believe me, it's it's a great job. I mean, let's face it. What would most of us be doing in our spare time or free time anyway if we weren't working in it? We'd be probably sitting at home watching it. So no, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. By the way, this interview is bringing me full circle. I, I, this, you want to talk about the circle of life in sports employment? <laughs> Jerem Jordan was once an intern with me at KSL Radio and Television way back in the day when I was when I first came to Salt Lake City in Utah. So. You want to talk about a circle of life. Jero, I'm on your show. How's that? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, 2001 uh, and two, when you arrived from Jacksonville, uh, you helped 
you helped uh, get me into BYU, I think, and try and apply for some scholarships. So much appreciated. Uh, Bill, as we look at BYU and Utah this week, our poll question has been uh, to BYU fans, are you okay not playing Utah for the next uh, two years? What's the Utah perception of this? Are Utah fans okay not playing BYU the next two years? I think you know. There, I think there's a faction of fans that wish the game was going to be played the next two years. But I mean, Utah scheduled a home and home with Michigan, so you know, I, I think that eases the pain of not having the rivalry game. You go from one blue to another blue for a couple of years. I, I think if they weren't picking it back up again in 16, I think a lot more people would have a problem with it. Um, but I, I think most people are okay with a two-year hiatus. I think if it, was, if it was going to be longer than that, I think people would have a little bit more problem with it. What's kind of the, the read on your guy's side? I think that, I mean, this is Spencer Linton here, Bill, talking uh, with you. I think that the Fresno State series was kind of the one that the BYU fans were upset about. Michigan, yeah, okay, you want to play the Wolverines, we understand that. But the, the series with Fresno State, a lot of people said, well, how come we couldn't play BYU? Well, but, but Chris Hill's outlined what he does. He, he does an A, B, and a C game every year, and he considers BYU to be an A opponent. So he wasn't going to schedule with the Pac-12 schedule being difficult enough already, including Oregon and Stanford the next couple of years. He, he's not going to schedule BYU and Michigan. That, that, that's over-scheduling your non-conference schedule. Now, as it turns out, Fresno may end up turn out, turning out to be a pretty difficult game as well. But, but they're not going to schedule Michigan and BYU in the non-conference schedule and then go into a Pac-12 schedule, which is difficult nine games long as well. He's, he's just not going to do that. I mean, I know BYU fans can be up in arms about that, but, you know, from a scheduling standpoint, I guarantee if Tom Homo was playing in the Pac-12 conference too, he wouldn't over-schedule either. I know BYU's in a more unique situation now, not being in a conference, so they've got to grab as many quality opponents as they can. But, but Utah, with the nine conference games, plus Michigan, they're not going to play Michigan and BYU in that same season. I, I, can, I can just tell you that much. And that's a great assessment. That, that is a, very, a fair insight, and that's why I wanted to ask you that question. Other than the obvious reasons of wanting to beat BYU, do you feel Utah has an additional sense of urgency to win this specific game on Saturday, given the difficulty of their remaining schedule with Oregon and UCLA and USC Stanford. and Stanford? Well, yeah, I mean, they want to get back to a bowl game this year, and the schedule is difficult. And so I think had they won the Oregon State game Saturday night, this is always going to be a big game. No matter what anybody says publicly, behind closed doors, this is a big game. And so they want to win this game. This is an in-state game. It's a rivalry game. There's a lot of guys on that Utah staff with BYU ties, and they would like nothing more than to beat BYU. But with that being said, yeah, losing that game last week and knowing what lies ahead with UCLA and Stanford and Arizona State and Oregon and USC, yeah, there's a little bit more sense of an urgency. If you want to get back, I mean, you know, this, this is a difficult schedule that lies ahead. So given the fact that they want to get back to that bowl game, you've got to take care of business and you're not conference because there's, the conference season's tough. Yesterday on True Blue, uh, Blaine Fowler called uh, Travis Wilson the most improved player in the Pac-12, in his opinion. What kind of growth have you seen from Travis in the first three games of the season? Well, the, the confidence thing is, is huge. I mean, he, I don't think anything now is catching him by surprise. He, he, played, you know, he played all 12 last year and started in the last seven games of the Pac-12 season, had the entire offseason knowing that he was going to be the guy. He's, got, he's, he's been able to work with Dennis Erickson now for the last eight months. 
So I think there's all of that. And then when you factor in, two guys, the fact that he's a 19-year-old sophomore and his teammates thought enough of him to vote him as one of the four team captains, I think that gives, you know, in addition to his work ethic, I think when, you're, when your teammates think that highly of you, that's a confidence boost as well. So I think it's just the experience of being in his second year and being able to work with um, a pretty good coaching staff again and having those reps. I mean, I, I just think when you're, a, when you're a true freshman in college football, it's a tough gig. And when you're thrown in in the middle of the season, as he was last year, it's an even tougher gig. So I think it's just kind of the natural growth and progression of, of a kid that was a pretty talented quarterback. Joining us right now on BYU Sports Nation, the play-by-play voice of the University of Utah and of Major League Soccer's Rail Salt Lake on ESPN Radio 700 in Salt Lake City, Bill Riley. Bill, you've given great insight into why this game matters this year and why the rivalry should continue. Let's let's break down this game a little bit more. Obviously, Utah has watched a lot of game film of the Texas debacle here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. BYU ran for 550 yards. Kyle Whittingham is a master game planner. He That guy puts together an incredible scheme for every individual opponent he faces. What is he doing to plan and scheme for this specific BYU offense? I'll, I'll have a better answer for that after I do my coach's show with him tonight, but I, I can tell you that I don't think that he's going to make the same mistake that Texas did, and that's just play a, a terrific running quarterback and a terrific running back straight up, especially when we've seen that Taysom Hill has probably had, I think it's fair to say, some struggles with accuracy in the first two games of the season. So I, I think that you know the old, the old adage in football is stop the run first. Well, I think you times that times five or ten with this BYU football team, especially based on what they, they did against the University of Texas. So I almost think, guys, that you take almost attack the way you did, you know, for all those years when Utah and BYU both would prepare for Air Force because you knew that there were they, they could make so many plays in the run game that you had to be, as coaches like to say, assignment sound and gap sound and things like that. I think that Utah is going to have to be very assignment sound in dealing with the run game of Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams this week. So I I don't think it's exactly the same from a scheme and technique standpoint, but I think the philosophy that you would take into Air Force for all those years is probably the same this weekend. You know, we've got to stop the run first and almost, you know, almost dare a guy to beat us through the air until we actually see him do it consistently I'd be much more concerned with him beating me with his legs than with his arm. Yeah, and that's something we've talked about uh, this week is Utah expecting Utah to stack the box and make uh, Taysom Hill make some throws. And that's one of the matchups that we're looking at, which is basically Taysom Hill versus the secondary of Utah. Uh, I like the matchup of Travis Wilson and the and the running game against BYU's linebackers with Fua and Vanoy on the outside. What what uh, matchups are you looking at that are of interest to you in this game? Well, the biggest one for me, it's not an on-the-field matchup as much, but I said it yesterday. I said the chess match between Dennis Erickson and Bronco Mendenhall is going to be so fun to watch. You're talking about a guy in Dennis Erickson that's been a head coach and an offensive mind for 40 years. There's nothing he hasn't seen in college football. Matching up against Bronco Mendenhall, who's got a great defensive philosophy and has built a real defense, such a sound defensive unit, with BYU Cougars. That's the first one for me. You know, and then, and then the one on the other side, <clears throat> you were talking about if Utah stacks the box, you know, how, how do their corners play outside? 
you know, last week against Oregon State, they were in position a number of times to make plays and turn their heads around. I mean, it was maddening to watch it because you see these guys running stride for stride with a wide receiver, but Sean Mannion did such a good job of dropping the ball in, and, and the corners weren't turning to look. So are they going to improve from one week to another? And if Taysom Hill has to throw the football, how accurate can he be going after a guy like Cody Hoffman? I'll tell you one I'm really looking forward to, Keith McGill. Big, tall, physical corner, former safety, six foot three, two hundred pounds, matching up against Cody Hoffman, big, physical, athletic wide receiver. That's a matchup I'm really looking forward to see. And then the other one is when Utah's got the football, you know that Utah offensive line much improved from a year ago. These guys have played together all spring and all fall long. How do they handle that front seven for BYU? You know, if it's just the front three, not so worried. But knowing where Van Oy is, knowing where Fua is, how do you handle the, the, the pressure that those guys bring off the edge? That's another matchup I'm looking forward to. Bill, the kicking game has been such an integral part of this rivalry series. Uh, in many specific instances, Utah has a great kicker in Andy Phillips, a guy who didn't really have much experience, but he comes in, uh, new face, kicks a 45-yard field goal to open the season and has been solid. How does Utah always find themselves with a solid kicker? Well, I think Utah fans would tell you the last two years they, they had the struggles. But if you go back to Sakota and Joe Phillips, and now you bring Andy Phillips, no relation in. Uh, the Phillips story, I'm sure you guys have heard, it's unbelievable. I mean, the guy was a national ski team member until he was 19 years old, went on his mission, came back, kind of didn't see eye-to-eye with the ski coach. The only He never played football. He hadn't played football in his entire life. The game against Utah State was the first football game he ever played in his life it's amazing <laughs> go kick a 45 yard field goal yeah he played a little soccer he was a goalie he was a keeper in high school he went out to high school and he, he played a little bit of keeper but i mean very little he never played in a football game so can kenishiro can he uh can he play kicker this week would that be all right <laughs> I, I, I don't think ryan will be back <laughs> in this game and i think they're pretty happy with andy phillips but it, it's been really amazing but you know kickers, you know, there's a reason why kickers, players, and coaches are always funny toward kickers. You can be a hero for five weeks in a row, and then one bad week can cost you your reputation. But so far, I mean, Phillips has made all his PATs and all his field goal attempts, so it should be pretty interesting. I'm curious. I've only seen the TV, but is Sorensen more kind of back to where they had hoped he would be the last couple of years this year? He told me during the spring, or not spring, the uh, fall scrimmage that he is the first time he feels healthy in a BYU football uniform uh, and so he's had serious health struggles but he looks like he is impacting the ball uh, much better through practice and then obviously what you've seen on TV but the fact that he's five for five in field goals and has, has made all of his extra points this year is huge for his confidence so that's a good question Bill and we certainly appreciate the time and the insights uh, into the University of Utah uh, huddle if you will. Well, hey, guys, thanks for having me on. Always happy to come on board. And uh, feel free to come by and say hi And uh, on Saturday when we get down there. And uh, let's hope that the Mother Nature takes the weekend yeah. off. <laughs> He's on the bye week this week because things haven't been so great for the Cougars in the first two weeks. And, hey, Jerem, thanks for having me on. Spencer, thanks for having me on. And happy for all the success you guys are having down there. Take care. Thanks, thanks so lot, much, Bill. Bill. Continue success. Coming up on BYU Sports Nation, the – Blaine Fowler gives his insight into Taysom Hill and Travis Wilson, how those two sophomore sensation quarterbacks will match up. Keep it here.
This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton, Jaron Jordan here. You can follow us on Twitter at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jaron Jordan. You can also follow the show and our ever-growing fan base on that Twitter account at BYU Sports Nation. We welcome in Blaine Fowler now for a weekly segment. He is an expert college football analyst. has been around the game for a very long time and Jerem Jordan likes to refer to him as the only two-time backup to Davey O'Brien, oh, Davey O'Brien Award winners. Originally, I think that was a Blaineism. I think Blaine generated that, which is a good stat. Yeah, it's very obscure. It's very <laughs> obscure trivia. Right along with who completed the first ball ever on ESPN. Uh, in a live game. In a live ESPN yeah. national broadcast. And that man is Blaine Fowler. Right. And then, so I'm, I'm a couple of really obscure trivia. Anything else? Good. I'll think of something by next week. What's, and remind us of your Twitter handle, at BFowler16. Yes. Okay. Follow Blaine on Twitter. Excited to have Blaine here. We have John Beck joining BYU Sports Nation tomorrow. So we go back-to-back with a couple of very high-profile quarterbacks. Right, Blaine? Yeah, I'm not quite as high-profile as John. <laughs> Although he did not complete the first pass ever on ESPN, but he did complete the number one pass in BYU history on the Top 50 Play Show. So. There you go. That's right. Johnny Harleen caught that pass. We had Johnny on Monday. It's a great week, rivalry week. And, uh, Blaine, we'll hop right into the questions now. The Utes are not the Utes of the past, uh, and neither is BYU when you look at the Cougar offense. It's an intriguing matchup between red and blue this year, and we just want your analysis on that. Yeah, I mean, it really is strength against strength. When was the last time BYU was ever number two in the nation in rushing? I mean, it has to be way back to the Eldon Forti days, I, I would think. I don't even know. Maybe never as yeah, a team. Maybe, maybe never as a team. And so, you know, you look at those national statistics and go, number two in rushing? Like, that's supposed to be, you know, Navy, Air Force, Army. You know, those are the teams that are up there, and BYU finds themselves right up there in that, that company. And so it, it's unique and it's different uh, for Utah to defend. BYU hasn't brought a running quarterback into the rivalry that runs this spread read type of a thing ever into the rivalry where they've had a quarterback like Taysom Hill to defend. You know, if Utah does have a strength, it's run defense. Now, statistically, they look really, really good. But remember, they've played a couple of teams that don't really want to establish the run game. Utah State is a balanced team, but with with Chucky Keaton, they like to throw it around. And then Oregon State doesn't even make an attempt to run it, really. They're just going to let Sean Mannion throw it all over the place. So I'm not sure they're as good as that number 14 rating in the country in rushing D, but that's strength against strength. You know, BYU's run game with a very good tailback in Jamal Williams, with a a running a quarterback that can run the football and is just scary with the ball in his hands in the run game against what sh- should be a very solid defense in Utah. I believe that it's weakness against weakness as well when you look at the passing game, correct? BYU one of the worst passing offenses statistically in the nation, going against one of the lower-tier passing defenses. Yeah, and, and you know, this early in the season, you always want to take things for what they're worth. Now, Utah, number 112 in the country in pass defense, 297 yards, but they played against Chucky Keaton and Mannion in two games. Who And Mannion is one of the best in the country and will be a great NFL quarterback. I believe Chucky Keaton will be an NFL quarterback. So theirs is inflated a bit. I do think they're not as good in the secondary as they have been in recent years, but I don't think they're 112 bad defensively. And then for BYU, they played in a game in a monsoon against Virginia, which I don't think anybody could throw the football. So that, that tempers their number a little bit. And then in the Texas game, they took what the defense gave. They did. They weren't they didn't have to throw the football. Now, you'd like to see that percentage up a little bit higher, but Texas was intent 
you know, to stop the passing game, and BYU just ran all over them. So BYU's numbers in terms of passing offense, I think, are a little inflated in the negative. They're at 109 in the country, 152 yards a game. I expect Utah, as the season progresses, to be better defensively against the pass, and I, and I expect BYU's numbers to consistently go up. So, but but you're right. It's if there's something that's suspect defensively for Utah, it's their ability to defend the pass, and BYU hasn't shown that they can attack there. So we'll see what happens on Saturday. Talking with Blaine Fowler here on BYU Sports Nation. When you look at how much BYU has rushed the ball the first two games, given the weather and then just the success, and then you keep going to the well there against Texas, Utah's going to load the box. We've talked about how cover one and maybe cover none will happen quite a bit against Utah. What scenarios do you see defensively Utah doing to try and stop BYU on offense? I think they'll do what they've done for the last... As long as Kyle Whittingham has been the D coordinator and head coach there, their mentality has been BYU will not run the football against Utah. We'll make them throw it. Even when BYU was a good throwing team, that was their number one priority. And then their effort to defend the pass was, we're going to put eight or nine in the box. And then outside, our corners will get right up in the face of BYU's receivers. They're going to grab a hold of them. They're going to play them physical. They'll tackle them if they have to, to preventing them from getting clean releases and getting into their routes and timing it out. And the mentality is, the officials can't call it on every play. So you just we're going to elevate our physical play in the secondary until the officials start to consistently call something. And so you, it's like you double-dog dare the officials to, to back you off from being physical. And they don't. They don't call it every play. It's, I liken it to UNLV in basketball. Every time I do a basketball game in the Thomas and Mac, the opposing coach in the interview before the game says, oh, UNLV, they just get right in your face here at home, and they grab you, and they reach, and they hack you. But they just do it so much, and they do it on purpose. They know the officials aren't going to make a call on every play. And so they change the level that the officials call you know, the, the, the fouls at. Utah does the same thing defensively, and they, they do it even more when they play BYU, where they're going to say, we're going to elevate that physical level, we're going to punch BYU in the face, and we're going to see what we can get away with, and we're going to elevate the aggressive physical nature of this game. And it's paid off for them in recent years because BYU has not responded to that. Now, I think Cody Hoffman, uh, you know, with the experience he has now, is a guy that's going to be awful hard for them to press and grab onto. Um, he'll be able to get a release and be able to get, get out there. The big question is, will Taysom Hill have the accuracy to get the ball on Cody Hoffman when he does come free. Um, so it, it's going to be quite a matchup, but U- Utah's going to use the same game plan scheme that they've used in the past, and they're tough to run at. For BYU, you've got to make Utah defend the width of the field, so maybe see a few more screens and swings and quick things to the outside that are you know, in their passing game, and you've got to take some shots over the top to Cody Hoffman and Ross, uh, you know, Ross Apo and make them defend the field vertically so you can spread that defense out. If you just run at those eight in the box or sometimes nine in the box, you're going to have a rough going against Utah's D. Talking with Blaine Fowler, former BYU quarterback and current BYU TV analyst. Blaine, you and I were talking a little bit about the Utah schedule. It's brutal. They have to play Oregon, Stanford, Arizona State, uh, not to mention this BYU game. If they want to make a bowl game, how important is it for them to beat BYU this week? Yeah, I, I hear people saying, well... The Oregon State loss was, you know, that's I'd rather, you know, lose to Oregon State and beat BYU or vice versa. Well, they needed to win both of those games, really, with their schedule. Now that they've lost to Oregon State, this BYU game becomes even more important because they have to get bowl eligible. And and you you know you read down that you find they've got two wins now, Weber State and Utah State, and and you find four more wins with the likes of UCLA, Stanford, Arizona, USC, Arizona State, Oregon, Washington State, and Colorado. And so they don't, 
Washington State's better than they've been in the last couple of years. They're, they're starting to play some defense up there. USC, they should have played them two weeks ago when they were struggling because by the time they play USC, USC's going to have it back together. I think they're very good defensively this year. Arizona's playing great. Stanford is a top-five team. Oregon may be the best team in the country. You, know, you could argue Alabama. So they have to win this ball game. This is huge for bowl eligibility for them because I have a hard time finding – if if they lose to BYU, four other wins on the schedule in the Pac-12, the way it lines up for them this year. Blaine Fowler uh, with us here on BYU Sports Nation. Do you think Utah's defense is better than Texas' defense? No. I, well, yes and no. Here, so here's I'm going to answer it in two ways. Jeremy. Is it yes or is it no? It's yes or no. <laughs> but no, here's are they more talented? There's not one player on Utah's defense that would start on Texas's defense. Not one. Nate Orchard, Trevor Riley. Nope. Every guy on Texas's defense was one, two, or three in the country at their position coming out of high school. So from a talent perspective, they're, they're not better than Texas. But Texas has schemed horribly, and they've taught fundamental tackling horribly. We're up on the hill. You know, Kyle and Kalani have – they scheme wonderfully. They're an excellent coaching staff, and they teach fundamentals. So Utah's defense is better than Texas's defense schematically. The way they play as a team, they're a more effective defense. From a talent perspective, Texas, you know, I, BYU's defense. I'm not sure. I mean, Kyle Vannoy maybe starts on their defense, and and I'm not sure there's anybody else. Maybe Kafusi. Those are the only two on the defense that have the kind of accolades that you know. And so, so that the question is, do they play? They play way better than Texas defensively because they play as a unit, they tackle better, and their scheme will be so much better to defend BYU than Texas was. But from a talent perspective, Texas is more talented than Utah right now. So my follow-up to that is, can the BYU and will the BYU offensive line set the same level of aggression and trench domination against Utah's D? That's where it's kind of been a question the last couple of years. Will BYU match the physicality of Utah? I, I think that they... They should because they know what it feels like now to come out and they smacked. So physically, where Texas is good, they matched up just fine. They came off the ball. They knocked them off the ball. Where where it's going to be tougher is um, they're not going to leave Taysom Hill alone when he does the zone read. There's going to have they're going to be somebody responsible for him. They're going to bring somebody up in the box and say you can't just let this guy just run by it. They're not going to have their strong safety take bad angles and come inside and try to recover back out to Taysom Hill. So. Will BYU's offensive line be able to create some seams for Jamal Williams and Taysom Hill? Yeah, they will. Will there be the big plays defense, you know, offensively because of huge mistakes scheme-wise, not like they were against Texas? Utah is much more fundamentally sound than Texas is defensively. And they'll tackle better. Texas oh, way had better. 1,800 missed tackles in that game. But on the other side of that, there may be one team in the country worse at tackling than Texas, and that's Oregon State. So so Utah's going to you know Travis Wilson looked like an all-American running quarterback last week. Well, I got news for you. Oregon State from a scheme standpoint is every bit as bad as Texas in defending the read zone and their athletes are not as good as Texas is. So there you go. I mean so so these two teams are coming away from games where they were able to run the football and both teams schemed very poorly. And, and Oregon State is not a good defense and Texas is a talented defense but they don't play well as a team right now. So those weren't very good tests because I'm telling you right now, BYU is not going to let Travis Wilson run crazy. Fua and, and Van Noy on the outside. Yeah, that's the whole difference right there. And Utah is going to scheme much better to not let Taysom Hill have a couple of 50-yard runs in this game. Travis Wilson 
is a pretty solid quarterback for a sophomore. Six seven. He kind of lumbers when he runs, and you wonder how he gets so many yards when he gets out in the open. But he's done a nice job. He's got a touchdown run of over 50 yards. Fua and Van Noy should stop that from getting around the edge, like you were saying. But Travis can throw the ball. Uh, he's shown that. Uh, the only thing I saw as I was watching the game is he has a tendency to get tunnel vision a little bit, and he'll throw some interceptions. But other than that, uh, he's a pretty good quarterback. What do you think? Yeah, his accuracy is very good right now. And I would say that Travis Wilson, if you were to pick a most improved player um, in the Pac-12 through the first three weeks of the season, it would be Travis Wilson. Uh, his his accuracy is outstanding. But as you mentioned, when he throws a pick, it's not because the ball's not where it's supposed you know not where he wanted to throw it. It's because he threw into coverage or didn't see a guy. It wasn't an errant throw. It was a bad read. He still threw a good ball, but it was where a defender was. And so. You know he he has figured it out from last year to this year. His accuracy has just improved tremendously. Now he's going to start to get defenses that are going to defend him in the run game. Now Oregon State did not defend him; they just didn't. They didn't have anybody. They brought down their backside guy just trying to stop the you know the handoff um, to the tailback play after play and never accounted for him. Well, that's not going that's not going to happen this Saturday. They will account for him. It'll be Van Noy and and Alani Fua on the backside and. Travis Wilson cannot outrun those two, four, or five guys. Finishing up with uh, Blaine Fowler here on BYU Sports Nation. In BYU's losses to Utah the last several years, turnovers played a huge factor in the outcome of the game. What factor plays a huge role to you this Saturday? That's number one. That's the number one thing. BYU has been favored coming into this game two years in a row. And it's been turnovers that have cost them games. And even though they just turned it over a ton last year. It was still a game that they had a chance to win. Um, they were they should have won last year. They're favored this year by a touchdown, you know, and and uh, that's saying a lot in a rivalry game. If BYU takes care of the ball, see what I said last year. Last year they just needed to be average on offense because their defense was good enough to put them in a position to win. And then they went and turned it over, not just turned it over, turned it over for touchdowns. So turnovers are key for both teams. Utah should have beaten Oregon State. They lost turnover margin battle. They lost the game in overtime. So the team that comes, if a team is plus two compared to the other in turnover margin, that team will likely win this game. Blaine Fowler, BYU TV analyst and former BYU quarterback, joining us on BYU Sports Nation. Thanks for the time, Blaine. You bet. And our uh, thanks to Blaine Fowler for that great insight. Uh, you can look for Blaine on the pregame show, Countdown to Kickoff, 9 Eastern time this Saturday before BYU and Utah. Let's whip it. Now, here's the Cougar Whip Around. Women's volleyball. The 6-3 and three Cougars head north to play undefeated Utah tonight at the Huntsman Center. 9 p.m. Eastern time on the Pac-12 Network and BYU Radio. Best of luck against the Cougars and the Utes as they set the stage for Saturday's game. Soccer. BYU tied at Oregon and lost on a last-second goal to UC Irvine last Saturday. The Cougars are back in action this week with a huge match against Oklahoma Thursday night in Provo, live on BYU TV and BYU Radio at 9 p.m. Eastern. Golf. BYU's tied for third place in men's golf at the Husky Invitational in Bremerton, Washington after day one. Cougar sophomore Joe Parkinson is in second place at four under after two rounds. The final rounds this morning. Check BYUCougars.com for the final results later today. Another big show tomorrow. John Beck and Brian Kiel. Kiel playing for the Redskins. Beck, of course, been a journeyman in the NFL and uh, I think will end up on an NFL roster somewhere. Both of them will join us to talk BYU-Utah tomorrow. Another guy in the NFL right now gets a rise and shout. Brett Kiesel last night in the Steelers' loss to the Bengals on Monday Night Football. Three tackles, one pass deflection. 
the beard was in full form. He'll join us on BYU Sports Nation later this week. He gets today's Rise and Shout. I can't wait to talk to Brett Kiesel and that beard. Uh, my favorite tweet was, even though the Steelers are losing, Brett Kiesel's beard still wins. Winning. Let's get to some of your <laughs> tweets. Uh, we've talked about uh, and update the final poll results here on BYUTVSports.com. Uh, as a BYU fan, are you okay not playing Utah for the next two years? We'll update the poll results in a second. Uh, at SBCHR Jazz Fan, if we win this game, meaning BYU-Utah, then it will make it a lot easier. If not, then no. At Madness 2112, it's one of the best rivalries in all of sports. A shame there's a break. At uh, Toronto Mont, no, I am not okay with BYU not facing off against its age-old rival. At Jazzy Cougar 33, I want to see him play every year. It stinks that this may be the only time Taysom and Travis face off. May. It is. Yeah, it is. At Eric Biggert, I'm okay with it ending. I went to Rice Eccles last year, and the amount of hate and vitriol is not worth it to me. Ask Max Hall that same question. At the GM11, I'm not happy about it, but not much we can do. At Bengal Runner 10 excuses, excuses, excuses. Utah and BYU should play every year regardless of who they play. Hashtag what? Arrogant. <laughs> Strong opinion. At J.D. Higster, I know I should hope the U of U wins the rest of their games after we win, so it makes us look better, but I just can't. Is that bad? <laughs> I don't think it's bad. Final poll results, uh, no, 56%, and yes, 44%. So a little closer to even than I thought. You wonder how many Utah fans are voting in that online poll. Who knows? Not sure. <laughs> Big thanks to today's guests, Blaine Fowler, Bill Riley, and everyone on our BYU Sports Nation crew, producer Ben Bagley, senior coordinating producer Michael Miner, BYU radio station manager Don Chaline, production assistants Alan Miller and Spencer King, and our engineer Aaron Evans. It takes a lot of people to make a great show, and they are great. Check out archived episodes of the show on BYU Radio YouTube or BYU Radio's YouTube channel every afternoon for Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton, and you have just listened to BYU Sports Nation.